hello and welcome to level 43 of Three Extra Lives, a video game and trivia podcast. I'm your host, Tom Knight, and can you believe it? This marks the first anniversary of the podcast. Yes, it's been going for one year as of this level. I can hardly believe how quickly the time has gone. A year later, after sitting here doing this podcast i'm incredibly thankful for everyone who's checked out the show for those who supported me on patreon for the reviews that i've received and just generally the overall support that i've received throughout this year while doing this show it's been really humbling experience it's been a learning process as always for myself and i'm just really excited to go into the next year of three extra lives and keep doing what i'm doing but also i've got a few other ideas which i may reveal later on in this level but anyway i'm not gonna ramble on here i'll talk more about my first year experience in the middle segment of the show also this is a very special level of three extra lives because i didn't write any of the trivia for this level All the trivia here is listener submitted. Yep, I'm taking no responsibility for the questions on this level. I've got three questions submitted from you out there. So let's see how that goes. On with the show! So if a year ago you had said to me, Tom, you're going to be starting off level 43 of Three Extra Lives talking about a battle royale, I would have said to you, I don't think so. But thus is the case because over the past few weeks, I've been checking out a battle royale game called Darwin Project. Now, just a disclaimer, which if you've listened to this show regularly when talking about battle royales, I'm pretty open and honest to say that it's not really a genre that's resonated with me that I've connected with too much. But the Darwin Project, which was released in January 2020, caught my eye for several reasons, as firstly it was free to play, so that's always a great start, but on exploring this game a little deeper, I found out that it's expanded on what battle royales offer and it's presenting it in just a little bit of a different way. So in the Darwin project, you're 10 players, you're ported into this dystopian post-apocalyptic landscape set in the Northern Canadian Rockies, which if that isn't a selling point for you, I don't know what is but this is billed as a half science experiment, half live entertainment. So as you're out in this landscape, you're collecting wood, you're collecting this resource called Darwinium, which you can use to unlock abilities for your character. And you choose from one of three gadgets that you can use to enhance your combat abilities throughout the game. So one of these is a jetpack, Another one is a grappling hook, and there's also a headhunter drone. Now this game doesn't have any guns or anything like that, but you do have to craft with the resources that you pick up. So the wood, for example, can be used to craft into arrows. But another mechanic in this game is the cold factor. Now, as you're continually playing this game, you have a meter, which is slowly depleting, and that's your cold level. And if that reaches zero, you freeze to death and you die. So that's something you have to factor in while you're out in this world, knowing when to craft a fire, to reheat your body, keep your temperature at an optimal position so you don't end up in combat and then you're 
cold meter runs out and then you freeze to death. You know, you've got to keep an eye on that. And the map in this game is made up of areas that slowly close down as the game progresses. So at the start, there's various areas you can explore, but then you'll get a warning to say that that area is closing within 60 seconds. You have to get out of there, cross the border into a new area before that area shuts down, or you probably know what happens. So as you're traversing the landscape, you'll perhaps come across a chopped down tree or a toolbox, which usually drops when you've upgraded one of your own pieces of equipment or one of your gadgets. And you can then use this to investigate and it will actually show the player who performed that action on your map. So it will initiate this almost tracking that you can see, oh, they're this far away from me and that only lasts for a small time. So it gives you a window to potentially close the gap on somebody, maybe hunt somebody down, or you could just be like, yeah, I'm not gonna go that way because there's somebody over there. But probably the most interesting part of Darwin Project is the director experience. Now, it gets really Hunger Games with this feature because you can become the show director of a game. Now you have to reach level five to do this, but the director will be the host and the master who controls the arena and they can drop nuclear bombs, they can close multiple zones, they can cause gravity storms, they also have the power of their own voice. They can talk and everyone can hear, they can broadcast and I actually have played a couple of games with directors. Not every game has a director, sometimes you're just playing and it's just the default game mode but when you do have a game with a director you've got you've got somebody there who's monitoring every player they can influence the landscape to potentially force players closer together in a situation i had i was getting quite cold and i didn't have any resource to light a fire the director actually sent in a drone which heated me up and restored my cold meter and it was really handy because moments later I went into combat. So I like to think the director was trying to set up a fair fight between me and another competitor. But obviously you don't have to use your power as a director to always benefit players. But a good director probably tries to set up the game in a way that makes it exciting to watch and causes situations that make more dramatic moments. But there was a director who spawned lava into a zone I was in and I instantly fried to a crisp. So yeah, this game is free to play. It's developed by Scavenger Studio and it's not just on PC. You can also find that on Xbox One and PlayStation 4. I think it's worth a play. As somebody who's not a big fan of Battle Royales, like I say, I definitely find this one really enjoyable. It's, it's simple to get into. There's a tutorial which just guides you through the basics of how to play the game. And there's not too much beyond that apart from going out into this world. You can approach it from several different ways. If you're more of that aggressive combat type, you can definitely take that approach. I'm more of a cautious, I'm going to hide in the forest until there's only a few people left sort of thing. But again, with the zones closing, you do get forced uh, together eventually at the end. So you can't spend your entire time hiding out. And if you do stay in one spot, you're gonna be tracked. So you, you do have to keep moving, you have to manage your cold meter, you also have to gather resources as well to upgrade your abilities. But all in all, this is just a really fun experience and I can see this game really growing in popularity. It does bring something different to the Battle Royale table. So there you have it, 
why not give it a go for yourself and sign up for the Darwin Project today? It's trivia time. So our first question comes from Jonathan Bloom at Frazzlytastic on Twitter. Here we go with the question. Name the game. It is the third installment of the Elder Scrolls series and in the game of the year edition port to the original Xbox, Frasley, aka Jonathan Bloom, is listed under the thank you credits. Name the game. The answer is The Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind. What a claim to fame that is for Jonathan. I do have proof. If you got that one right, give yourself an extra life. So like I mentioned at the top of the show, one year of three extra lives. And I thought I'd take this segment just to talk a little bit about the past year. And little did I know when I was putting this idea for a show together, it basically came together in a shower. And that's where most of my best ideas form. The initial idea for this podcast was something along the lines of the five point podcast, where each week I talk about five subjects ranging from various different topics. But as I thought about this more, I realized I just only really wanted to talk about video games and positive stuff that was happening in the industry. As someone who is a content consumer, I do notice that a lot of the content created out there is fueled on negativity and that's due to algorithms and just that sensationalized news where the negative headlines grip our attentions more than the positive headlines that's for sure it's just the way we work as humans but I really wanted to offer a slice of upbeat noise every week instead of adding to the words of despair. And obviously this game takes a, a big focus on indie games and being a fan of indie games for I don't even know how long but taking a bigger focus on that with this podcast has shown me that there's just so many more indie games out there than I could ever have imagined. The constant work that's going on, the seemingly never ending production of indie games that are due to release and I've had many pleasurable moments looking through the indie game hashtag and the indie dev hashtag on Twitter. That's where I make a lot of connections as well. And it's also highlighted to me the importance of the likes of Kickstarter and Indiegogo, which allows games to get funded and supported, which otherwise they wouldn't. And also something quite simple. It's, it's not just about funding games, but even learning about wishlisting games on Steam. That does wonders for the algorithm for indie developers that if their game is getting wishlisted a lot, it's actually going to help them when the game is released. And I have to say there hasn't really been much of a better feeling when I've been talking to an indie dev and they've gave me a key for their game to try out. And it's just an incredible feeling to be like, yeah, I'm just making content for video games and I'm getting given video games to play. And it really is just a humbling feeling to know that you're making a bit of a difference in this video game world, that you're bringing games to people's attention. I feel like if I can bring the attention of a game to a few people, then I feel satisfied that I'm achieving what I set out to do with this podcast when I decided to do it. 
over the past year as well, I think I've checked out more free-to-play games and demos than I probably ever had. There really is so much out there that you can scratch an itch with in the free-to-play scene as well. And I know free-to-play games generally get a bad rap as being games that are full of microtransactions and have nefarious tendencies. But I have to say, I've had a lot of great experiences playing free-to-play games over the last year. Smaller indie titles that maybe only take 30 minutes to an hour to complete. But nevertheless, there is some fantastic experiences to be had out there. And to be able to share more of those, which these are games that are a lot more accessible because they are free. And usually they act as a gateway for developers for a bigger project that gives people a taste of what their work's gonna be like. And in a way, some of those smaller free-to-play games are like demos, but they still offer satisfying and enjoyment as you go through them. There just is good news out there in the video game industry. It's not all negative. For me, video games have changed my life. It's always been somewhat of a staple that I've had to go to. And I know there's people out there that video games have brought them together with friends, with partners, with even their family. You know, it's used as a way to bridge that gap when you have a long distance between somebody. It's just easy to look at what's happening in the video game industry that's negative. And it's always been the case for me that I wanna just focus on that positivity because there is positivity out there. I know there's negative and I feel like there's enough people out there focusing on the negative that we do need to take a look at the good things that are happening out there. And I'd like to think that over this past year, you've enjoyed some great upbeat video game stories, which I'll continue to scour the internet for and continue to share because it just feels so empowering to do that. And it's just great to find these stories and read about them and feel good about it. And Honestly, I come out of making a, a level for three extra lives and I feel good about it inside. I feel energized and I feel empowered when I do that. So there's a lot of great things happening out in the world of video games if you just know where to look. And who knows what's next for three extra lives. Obviously, podcast isn't going anywhere. We're going to keep doing this thing. But I'm also working on a tabletop game for three extra lives. So I'm not going to say much more than that, but I'm pretty excited about that. That's a little teaser for you for the future of three extra lives. So yes, one year of three extra lives. I'm giving myself a pat on the back. And again, thank you all for putting up with me over the past 12 months. It's trivia time. So this question comes from Falamoya Krava, aka Amanda Sloan of Geek Herring. In the 2016 point-and-click adventure, Kathy Rain by Clifftop Games, whose death makes Kathy return to the home she left many years earlier? Is it her best friend, her ex-boyfriend, or her grandfather's? The answer is her grandfather's. Did you get that one right? If you did, give yourself an extra life. And finally, on this level of three extra lives, let me tell you about Book of Demons. Now I picked this one up in humble choice for the month of February. And if I had to sum it up in very little words, I would say, think Diablo 3 made out of paper. Yes, because this game is a hack and slash game set in the world of the paperverse. Now there's three classes, there's a warrior, there's a rogue and there's a wizard 
And in this game you wield magic cards instead of weapons and equipment. And you slay armies of darkness in the dungeons below the old cathedral. Yep, you can definitely already sense those Diablo tendencies. So yeah, you go into this game and you pick one of the classes. You then go into procedurally generated dungeons. Each dungeon has a path that you stick to as you explore it. And there's various different enemies in those dungeons. And obviously, when you start the game, those enemies are quite simple. They're just the likes of your generic skeletons that just do some melee damage. Or they have a bow and arrow that they're shooting you from range. But as you go deeper through these dungeons, you come across more advanced enemies that perhaps have some resistance or they explode poison when they die or spiders yeah they're spiders i just remembered that which when they die they hatch more tiny spiders yeah it's all kind of nope but i really like how simplistic this game is to get into and again the aesthetic of this game being set in a paper universe your character is just this flat avatar that's walking kind of awkwardly you know like they're made of cardboard through this dungeon you're going through you're clicking pots and sarcophaguses and shelves and you're picking up cards which you can then equip on your action bar at the bottom and at the start you only have a few slots that you can drag cards into so maybe you'll drag an ability that uses mana maybe you'll drag an item that increases your dodge and maybe you'll equip a potion that you can use to restore your health. As you go through this game, you'll find more cards, you'll find more variation of cards. So maybe that potion, for example, the default one, it will just restore a certain amount of health. A variation of that potion will restore less health initially, but give you more healing over time. There's just various variations of all these cards and they have rarities as well to go along with that. So this game also respects your time and that's a big thing that the developers have worked on in this game and they have a system in this game called the Flexiscope TM and this allows you to set your session time for how much Book of Demons you want to play. You'll have a slider where you can say oh I want to do a small dungeon. It'll give you an estimated time of how long it'll probably take you to complete, how much progress it will give you, how much gold you'll get from doing that and an idea of how much loot you'll secure from doing that dungeon and there's a slider that goes up from small to medium to much larger and you can just scale this depending on how much time you've got to play or how much you actually want to play and I found this is really useful for when you are playing and maybe you've got 15 minutes left so you're like yep I've got time for one more and the game just really respects your time like that also when you clear a dungeon there's a staircase icon that appears that you can just click on and teleport to the next level of the dungeon. When you do start a game, it will procedurally generate a few dungeons for you that you progress through. It's displayed in the UI like a corridor. So once you've cleared the first dungeon, you that your character then moves down to this next corridor. You'll get an idea of how many enemies are in there as well. And perhaps you'll see silhouettes of enemies which you haven't discovered yet. And as you progress deeper and deeper down, you're trying to get to the bottom, which is hell, where the big bad is waiting for you in a bathtub of fire. You'll come across bosses at certain points as well, which almost define the end of an act. But also as you are 
going through these dungeons, you'll also come across mini bosses as well that have different mechanics. Now again, one of the unique features about this game is Twitch integration. Now I've been doing a bit more streaming and I downloaded some DLC for this game, which was totally free. And it allows you to interact with your chat as you're playing this game. And you'll get a list of commands along the bottom, which your chat can use. And this could be anything from healing your character to spawning a boss, to locking out some of your abilities, to freezing your character. You can basically be helped or hindered by your chat. And I thought this was a really cool feature. And even just playing some of this game, I was streaming it on Twitch. If there was nobody interacting, it was still an enjoyable experience, but sometimes you have that element of surprise of, oh, somebody spawned a boss. And the cool thing is that that boss will then be called the same as the chat user in Twitch in the game. It's just really cleverly integrated. And this is a free DLC that you can install and use if you decide to stream the game. And I really thought that was a nice touch. There's also monthly and all-time leaderboards. There's over 200 achievements in this game too. If you like that hardcore element of these type of RPGs, there's also a roguelike mode, which offers a increased level of challenge with permadeath and restricted healing and even more obstacles to overcome. So Book of Demons, I've had a lot of fun with this so far and the developers Think Trunk are actually developing more of the world of Paperverse. So they're working on other games set in the Paperverse. They're working on a like a strategy game based with aliens and they're working on another game called Book of Hell which is a co-op dungeon crawler which almost acts more like something like Slay the Spire where you use cards to use abilities and yeah this universe that they're building up within the Paperverse it's very clever and it's really awesome because I can see down the line as well they're going to potentially cross over what they've created within this universe so if you're a Humble Choice member and you haven't done your picks for February, maybe go check out Book of Demons because it is a lot of fun. And if you've come from a background of playing Diablo, which I have, you're definitely going to see a few nods in there to certain characters. Maybe one who enjoys staying a while and listening. So go check it out. Book of Demons by Thing Trunk. It's trivia time. And this next question comes from AcidTears111 on Twitter, aka Michael from the podcast Two Nerds Maybe More. In what year was the great video game crash in the United States? The answer is 1983. This was a large-scale recession in the video game industry that occurred from 1983 to 1985, primarily in the US. This crash was attributed to several factors including market, saturation, the number of game consoles and available games, and the waning interest in console gaming in favor of personal computers. So there you go. If you got that one right, give yourself an extra life. And here we are at the end of the show. How did you do on the trivia this week? I'd like to thank Jonathan Bloom, aka Frazzlytastic on Twitter, Amanda at Falamoya Crava on Twitter of Geek Herring, and 
at AcidTears111, aka Michael from Two Nerds. Maybe more for their questions submitted. I really appreciate that. And you totally took the pressure off me having to come up with questions this week. So either let me know how you're doing on trivia or let them know if you got it right or wrong. As always, you can email the show at podcast.3actuallifes.com. And we're on the social medias at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 3 Lives. And you can find show notes for this level over at 3 And that's it. Thank you for joining me this time and over the last year. I will see you all in level 44. Find more at dragonpoweredstudio.com.